turn together to chapter 5 of Matthew. We're going to be sharing another message out of the Sermon of the Mount. Anger, a hot topic. Something that humanity deals with. And I'm so glad that there is a remedy. There is a Lord. Matthew 5, we're going to pick up at verse 21 through and including verse 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly, while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you will into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said to those of old who shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Lord, we ask that you now bless the scripture. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher today. Speak to each of us, challenge us together. Lord, we would walk a life, and we would walk the walk, and bring praise and honor to your name. We love you, we give you praise. But Lord, you're so worthy of our praise, of all that you are and done for us. So now we just ask that you guide this service in Jesus' worthy and loving name. One of the topics that Jesus addressed in his Sermon on the Mount was the topic of anger. How are we to deal with such a topic as anger? Jesus amazed his crowd because he preached with one that had authority, not like uh, other teachers of his day. He got their attention, and I believe it was because he didn't sugarcoat the truth. He, he preached it just like it is. Up until now, all these people were content with an external show of righteousness and goodness. But by contrast, we see here now in the scriptures that Jesus is teaching them uh, the only acceptable righteousness is divine righteousness. Last Sunday we looked at Matthew 5, verse 20, and saw that heaven cannot be earned by our own merits, by our, our own goodness. For heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Jesus made it a point <clears throat> to preach clearly about the eternal righteousness of having a Christ-like character. Each one of us can have that personal relationship with kind of person is the one that is poor in spirit. 
One that's sorrowful for sin. They're, they're meek. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're merciful. Pure in heart. A peacemaker. And who will be persecuted for their love and faith in Jesus Christ. And so because of this, God's church around the world is the light, the salt, wherever we are found. Today we begin here in verse 21. You quickly notice that the tune changes as Jesus begins to present some new thoughts, a new way of teaching to this group of people. For centuries, the, the scribes and Pharisees taught to avoid murder was one was how one would keep the sixth commandment. But now Jesus is going way beyond that teaching uh, something they had never heard before. He says, mankind has broken the sixth commandment, even if they've been angry with each other without cause. They weren't even to call someone else a fool or a moron. They were to go and be reconciled. And then, and only then, could they offer their gift to God and not the other way around. Another of the teachings of the day was of the seventh commandment, avoiding sleeping with another man's wife or another man's, a woman's husband. But again, Jesus goes so much further beyond that teaching. He declares that that commandment is broken even if adultery exists in the heart already. Then verse 28, he says, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A person's word must be kept in spirit as well as in the letter. Charity must go beyond the call of your duty. And so we need to love our enemies, love our neighbors, our friends, be a true Christian in morality because it comes from within. God works in the heart, and that's what helps us. He can provide for us. So think with me now, what is murder? Does anger have anything to do with murder? I think we all would agree it goes hand in hand. Well, Jesus lists, lists here several examples when he introduces this saying, you have heard that it has been said. Then he says about the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, shall not kill. This was known, of course, to the Jews since Jesus, or since Moses went up on Mount Sinai and received the commandments from God. And it had stood all the ages down through time, or so they thought, they understood but it was defined by the scribes and Pharisees as an external act taking an innocent life. Well, what does Jesus say? Is that what murder is? Is it more than just an act? What about the person who, <clears throat> in their heart, has anger towards someone and wishes them dead, but doesn't kill their enemy because of the consequences. I fear that there's those that live with such feelings in their heart. It's amazing to me these days of what they call road rage. I'm sure that all of us have had a tinge of that happen to us. Uh, 
we pull out or change lanes and, and didn't realize somebody was as close as they were and they hump their horn and go by and they do worse than that. And you know that they're angry. Like, oh dear. And it was our mistake. Forgive us. Sometimes I'll smile and you know, try to ease the tension a bit. But anger. And you hear people that pull out a gun and shoot someone on the spot. We already imagine these things that are happening. So what does Jesus teach to the crowd? Look again at verses 21 and 22, and I want to read out of the English Standard Version here. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Not only is unjustifiable anger forbidden here clearly, but according to Jesus, God will not even excuse a person who is guilty of expressing contempt to one another. And that could be like putting a slur on someone else's reputation. Jesus said, these things bring guilt when measured by God's standards. So obviously, friends, such a definition of murder stretches one's being to the depths. It doesn't help to try to justify when we lose our pool. May the Lord help us to think before we speak we act. So we do know that there is a righteous anger against sin. Jesus himself spoke about the righteous anger against the hypocrites, the scribes and the Pharisees. We covered that in last week's message. They were like white sepulchers full of dead bones. Paul the Apostle spoke out against the legalizers who were trying to undermine the true faith of the Galatian believers. Even back in the Old Testament, the psalmist David gave voice to anger against his enemies that hated God and also hated him. But we all need to be honest here with ourselves with God. It's not very often that anger is like that. More often, Anger swells up in our hearts at some wrong may be done to us, whether it's real or imagined, or some insult or times that we're rejected or neglected. Do we commit anger by those definitions? You know, when we lose our temper, harbor grudges, gossip, kill by neglect, spite for and jealousy, I believe we are. We are guilty. Oh, if we could just see the heart of God what he sees in us. We've all heard things on the radio and the television spoken against one another that certainly is easily termed character assassination and how here we're coming into another political arena thinking of the next election. And it, it just amazes me what some people say about each other. Uh, this is hard to imagine. And I've, I've observed really that in Congress when certain bills were up and they're fighting back and forth. 
But then later, they're friends, shaking hands again. They make up, but I think we need to be careful what we say. Jesus clearly tells us as believers how we're to live that. Moving on then, is there any hope? Is there a cure for anger? The first step, according to Jesus, is to admit that we get angry. Wouldn't you think that'd be quite obvious? Mankind is guilty of all kinds of things, such as cheating, stealing, committing adultery, even murder. But when confronted, how often they refuse to admit any guilt on their own. It's always, well, somebody else made me do it. Remember some years ago that slogan, the devil made me do it, was going around. They won't admit that it's their fault. Rather, try to place blame someplace else. A number of years ago, I ran across a story, an example of this, and I found my computer again and researched this. His name was Francis Crowley. He was born in New York City, the second son of an unwed German mother who gave him up for adoption. He had such hatred in his heart for the police some speculating that his absent father was a police officer. Also, his brother John was killed at the age of 12 in a shootout with police after John had killed a policeman. Francis got the nickname Two-Gun Crowley because he would shoot with a gun in each hand. Now, this was back in the 30s when this was happening. Shortly before his capture, he was sitting alone in a car one day when a police officer, Frederick Hirsch, came up to the window and simply asked him to show him his driver's license. And cool as could be without saying a word, pulls his gun and shot the policeman dead. What two-gun Crowley thought about himself as a person is hard to understand for the common person. Finally, he was captured in a former girlfriend's apartment. What happened was he brought his second girlfriend and went to his old girlfriend's apartment. And then angered the first one, so she called the police and she said, he's here, come and get him. Well, there was a two-hour gun battle. And now he's suffering from four gunshots, bleeding heavily. The arresting officers found him and he had two more pistols strapped to his legs. Well, he survived and later was sentenced to go to the, die in the electric chair. And he was sent to Sing Sing Prison. Now, when he got there, he didn't say, this is what I get for my crime. Guess what he said? This is what I get for defending myself. You see, no uh, acknowledging that there was any guilt on his part. He spent his last year on death row and remained a disciplinary problem the whole uh, that whole year, fighting and uh, inmates and guards. Now he was sentenced to death by the electric chair at the age of nineteen. My so young. On January twenty-first, nineteen thirty-two. Point is, Kugan Crowley did not blame himself or take credit. I share that story to show that human nature will try to cover up 
or overlooked sin, not taking a personal responsibility for their own actions. The second step to overcoming anger is to correct the justice. Go to that person, confess what you have said wrong or did, and ask for their forgiveness. Mankind doesn't want to acknowledge or accept responsibility. I've been amazed at how individuals, when approached about a situation or a problem, can accept an apology, but are not willing to also say, I was wrong, and to acknowledge their own need. I've had people over the years come to me and say, Pastor, what more can I do? I've gone to this individual and I've tried to make things right. They wanted to reconcile, but it seemed like it was just one-sided. My advice is that we follow Jesus' instructions here in verses 22 and 23. You've done your part, now the other party is in Jesus' hands and his mercy. But seek God for yourself, obey the Lord, so that your prayers are not hindered. You cannot force someone else to reconcile if they refuse to. King David wrote these words there in Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened or heard my prayer. Oh, how much better, friends, to worship God with a clear conscience and to worship Him with a pure heart. In ancient times, this meant coming to the house of worship, the temple, and presenting your sacrifices. Today, it's church attendance, being involved in worshiping together, paying our tithes and offerings and so forth. But you know what? In God's eyes, it's all worthless when we put an act of worship on and have unconfessed sin within and not being reconciled with other believers. John says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And we be reconciled one to another and walk in love and true fellowship. The third step to cure anger is to correct it as soon as possible. First, we admit the wrong in our anger and then do what we can to amend it and do it immediately. There's times I speak too quickly and I have to ask God to forgive me because isn't it wonderful how the blessed Holy Spirit is there to check Immediately you know you said the wrong thing. And if it's against another, go to them and take your place. This, I believe, is what Jesus is saying here. We're to agree quickly with the adversary unless terrible consequences follow. <coughs> take care of a problem immediately and so not to allow it to make you bitter. Again, I'm thankful for those times when the Holy Spirit is checking. We need to be sensitive to heed his direction, allowing the work in us for God's glory. Paul speaks to this when he admonishes the Ephesian church. He says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. You ever try that at night, have a quarrel with your wife and think you're going to get a good night's sleep? just doesn't work. You better take your place immediately. The Hebrew writer recognizes this important truth as well when he says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I heard the story of a father that was sharing with his little daughter. And she was very quiet and withdrawn. And he said, honey, there's something wrong. You're not your usual self. You know, parents, you can tell that right away when there's something amiss. So she said to her daddy that somebody had mistreated her and made her very angry. He said, what did they do? They held me upside down and I didn't like it. I don't blame her. And she said, maybe angry. She went on to say this. I don't like him. And I'm never going to forgive him. I'll forgive Cindy and Nikki, but not him. Well, the wise daddy told her, Jesus tells us to forgive all people who have wronged us in any way because he has first forgiven us. Yeah, she said, I know. I've heard that in Sunday school. I don't quite understand it all, but what I'd rather really do is give him a good kick than to forgive him. Well, I'm sure that that daddy worked with a little girl in one of the She did forgive and forget. But isn't that somehow maybe like what he feels sometimes? He'd rather give somebody a kick than to forgive him. We're honest with ourselves. We know now that's not the way to be. We must come to the place and point where we ask God to start changing our hearts and our attitudes and minds to not to want revenge. Paul said it very clearly to the Romans in Romans 12, 19 and 21. Do not take revenge, my, revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is my revenge, I will repay, says the Lord. But then on the flip side of that, I think Jesus wants us to even go the second mile. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will begin heaping coals of fire on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. Can we move aside when we're hurt or injured and allow God to take over? I think we can. It's not always easy, but it's the best way. We may not totally understand it all, but maybe, maybe we won't even until we get to heaven, some issues. But when we do, I believe God is going to change us, transform us from within by renewing our minds through Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit has the power to do that in every area of our lives. Yes, even those areas we think now might be impossible. Allow God to work on it. Oh, let's continue to trust Him to care for us no matter what. And so when we think about that verse that says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, I agree, it may be a hard statement to accept at times. An impossible statement if the heart of man is unchanged. God, in his great mercy, will change us if our life is surrendered to him. Amen? Amen. And so the only cure for anger is found in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
as we yield ourselves to him to the blessing Holy Spirit's work. Jesus offers to all of us the abundant life that you read about here in John 10. 10. Praise the Lord that's for us. Amen. Let's stand now as the worship team comes. <laughs>